0: Pray. Dear Holy Father, we just thank you for this time today, and we just ask, even though Pastor Chelsea has had lots of time to prepare, and you have been speaking to her prior to this, uh, this time this morning, that you will just surround her with your love, that you will surround her with your songs of deliverance, that you will surround her with your power, your strength and your might, and and just grant her that peace that passes all understanding as she presents your words, what you are here to teach us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that our our minds will be open, that we will be blessed with what we are going to hear, and that we will have these nuggets to take away, Father, that you'll water the nuggets after we leave this building. We thank you for what you're going to do now, Lord, in your precious name, amen. Amen.
1: So just a reminder that in the pew pockets, there's little cards that you can use if you want to take notes. You had to bring your own pen, I'm realizing. We're not a full-service operation around here. It's okay, because partnership is key to faith. So there's always activity for both sides in a covenant. So last week we learned from Jude what the word contend means. It means to exert intense effort on behalf of. And last week we looked at the letter of Jude. We looked, we were reminded that we are always in need to do something with the gift of faith that God has given to us. And so our partnership with God is to exert intense effort on behalf of this beautiful gift. All of the beautiful gifts that God has given to us. And so last week we looked at what it means to contend for the faith within the church community because there will be times where we are trials to one another uh, and temptations will befall upon us as a church. Uh, And also, we also looked at what it meant to have to contend for the faith within ourselves when we are the people who cannot let go of how we want things to be. That's one of the messages I got loud and clear last week. Maybe some of you did as well. There was some head nodding, so I think we, we, get, we got through to a few. This week, we're going to continue in that vein, and we're going to look at somebody who is called the father of faith, someone who is an example to us. And we're going to look at a failure, an opportunity to contend for the faith that was not taken. And we're going to think about what that means for us. And then we're going to spend time in silent prayer and reflection on how that might apply to us today and personally. So I invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, where we hear the story of Abram and Sarai before their names are changed by God to Abraham and Sarah. And so if I accidentally say Abraham, or, then you know I'm talking about Abram. Or vice versa. So we've, we've looked at this first part of the story before, but we're going to look at it again. So beginning at verse 1, Genesis chapter 12, page 7 of your green Bibles. Now, the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you. And make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions that they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran, and they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moray. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So we built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him and from there he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. and there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. and Abram journeyed on by stages toward the Negeb. So let's just pause there for a second. So we have the beginning of this relationship between Abram and God, our God, between God and his people. Father Abraham had many sons. That's right. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Or many children. We can, we can be inclusive. So this is the promise. It's very active by one party. God says, I will show you a land. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse who, those who curse you. So I will provide for you and I will protect you. I will do the hard work, God says. And in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So you will be a vessel of blessing that I use to bless the world. So Abram doesn't really have to do much, and we don't actually hear Abram's talk in this section, but he gets heralded for believing and trusting because he goes. He gets up and he goes. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. and then he takes all of his people with him, and they come to the land of Canaan, and then God says, You're going to have to wait. Because this land is not going to be for you, but for your descendants. So the promise that I made to you isn't just to you. You have to let go of it being just about you, but being about the people who will come after you for my sake. And you got to think of yourself bigger than just yourself. And think of the family of God's people. So, Abram builds an altar, an altar of hope that he can use to remind himself of these promises as he waits for their fulfillment by God. And altars at this time, across religions, always marked a sacred place, a place where the divine and the human interacted with one another. It was a place that people could return to and remember what God was doing. So hold on to that for next week. So Abram builds, and then he walks on. And we think that he's still trusting in this promise. But what happens when the promised land turns into a famine land? Let's read in verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to reside there as an alien, for the famine was severe in the land. And when he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife Sarai, I know well that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. So say you are my sister, so that it will go well with me because of you, and that my life may be spared on your account. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. When the officials of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt with Abram, he dealt well with Abram, and he had sheep, sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female slaves, female donkeys and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and be gone. And Pharaoh gave his men orders concerning him, and they sent him on the way with his wife and all that he had. This is the word of the Lord. This is not a pleasant story, is it? The first opportunity, well, maybe the second. The second opportunity is, that Abram has to publicly contend for the faith and the gifts of the promises that God had given to him. What does he do? He responds in fear, anxiety, and selfishness. He fears for his own life above the life of everyone else in his family and his group. He obviously has been planning this on the road from Negev. Because before they get into Egypt, before they get to the powerhouse, the most powerful nation in the world at the time, Abram human traffics his wife and says, You be used for my good. Say you're my sister so that you can be used by Pharaoh and he'll pay me. And he does, right? Pharaoh gives him sheep. Oxen, male donkeys, male and female slaves, female donkeys and camels, at the cost of Sarai's dignity. This is what the father of our faith does. Because he wants to protect and preserve his own life. He takes something bad, and sees it resulting in blessing. But God knows it as the curse that it is on the people that he has called, on the family of God. God sees the curse that is being done to Sarai, and he keeps his promise that those who curse you, I will curse. And so he brings this affliction upon Pharaoh to get everyone's attention that when God and his people are involved. There is more than just you and I at work. That we, by exerting intense effort on behalf of either ourselves or our faith, have power to do harm or good for others. So Abram, as Martin Luther says, lets the promises or the words of God out of his sight. And when they are no longer in his sight, when they are no longer in his mind, when he is no longer saying, God is going to bless us and keep us, I can trust in that. He takes power and matters into his own hands to assure his own safety. What if Abram, remembering the promises of God, had said at the the land of Egypt, instead of turning to Sarai and saying, listen, tell this lie and give up yourself for my sake, when she had no other option but to do what he said, what if instead of doing that, Abram had said, let's pray for God to bless this nation as we enter it. Let's pray that God will use us as a blessing in this place at this time. Let's wonder together why God might have brought us here to this place at this time. And let's wonder and ask God how he will provide and protect and bless us now. What if he had done that instead of what he did? To me, that's what contending for the faith would have looked like when they got to that crossroads and the choice had to be made. But, but it's a little hard to trust when there's famine in the land. It's a little hard to trust when you are walking into the unknowns. It's a little hard to trust when you feel responsible for a whole heck of a lot of people who are counting on you to provide. So Abram fails to contend for the faith. And when you aren't contending for something external, you will always contend for yourself. When we aren't contending for the things of God, we will contend for the things that we want most. And that's what we see Abram suffering from today. Pharaoh is not wrong to say, what is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me the truth? Pharaoh is not wrong to place the blame back on Abram. But here is the beauty of this story. Though Abram fails to contend for the gifts that God has promised to him and the gifts that God has given him, God continues to protect and to bless and to curse and to guide and to be present. God continues to watch over them. And we know the story, right? Because we are the children of Abraham. We know the, the grand story of where it exits out in the story of Jesus. But this story being at the very beginning of this relationship between God and his people helps us to humbly set the tone of what our life with God is like. Because how many of us have made a plan of what we're going to do without thinking about how it will affect other people or realizing later that we hurt a lot of people along the way of making what we wanted to have happen, happen? How many of us know what it's like to exert effort on behalf of ourselves rather than for something outside of ourselves or someone outside of ourselves. How many of us know what it's like to ask someone to help us without realizing what we're truly asking of them? And yet, the promise is that God will make us great. God will bless us so that we can be a blessing. God will protect and provide for us so that through us, the world may come to know the goodness of the one who created all things. Because even though we fail to exert intense effort on behalf of these gifts of God, God continues to give us opportunity to do so. So that's where we're going to go next week. But for the rest of this morning, we're going to spend time in silent prayer and reflection, thinking about the ways in which this story applies to us personally. So if you want to write this out, you can use the little cards that are in your pew pockets, uh, or you can just spend time thinking. And we'll start with the first slide of questions. So thinking as though you are Abram in this story, I want you to spend about five minutes thinking of, t- of time when you did not trust God or when you know looking back that it was an opportunity for you to contend for a gift or the faith that God had given to you, but it didn't do so. And if you've never taken the time to, to pray about that and talk to God about that, this is your opportunity to do so now, to spend time in confession And if you have, the next step is to think about the situations or the temptations or the personality traits that you have that cause you to be susceptible to this problem. The things that make you more prone to not trust God. What are those deeper issues in your life that cause that? And you can think about those things so that you know when you name them, you can be on guard for them going forward when new opportunities arise. So any questions about what we're going to do for the next five minutes? All right, so I'll just pray real quick, asking God to speak as we listen. Holy Spirit, we know that one of the ways that you bless us is by bringing to light these things that hold us back from fully living into the gifts of faith and salvation and grace that our Lord Jesus has given to us. And so, Lord, as we listen now, as we think about what it might be like to be the father of the faith, Abram, who fails, and yet still ends up being this beautiful, beautiful witness to what faithfulness looks like, we have hope in knowing that our failures are never the last word in this story but your grace and your forgiveness and your empowerment and your presence with us is. So speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. Having spent time in confession, hear these words of promise of God's forgiveness and love for you. O people of God, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. It is he who redeems us from all of our sins. Amen. We contend for the things that we trust and believe in. And so the other side of this coin is knowing that God was present. And knowing that God was present, we trust and believe in him to continue to be present. So though we may have failed, we know that God was there. So our next slide, we'll spend a few minutes now thinking about how God was at work during that time as you've reflected back. And if it's something that you cannot see, God having been at work in, your time of reflection is to think about who you can ask to help you see. Who else was involved in that story that can help you look for God? Okay? So you can use these questions here to guide you. And this time our prayer is one of thanksgiving and praise for God. So as a way of offering a communal praise, uh, would anybody like to just say the attribute from their seat of God that they thanked him for? You don't have to tell us any of your story. We can trust and believe that how God was present to you is true, and we can be encouraged by that with one another. So anything that you offer to God, you can shortly and quickly and loudly give to us now as a community. Faithfulness. God provided. God was all knowing. God gave forgiveness. God's love never failed. God spoke through a friend. God was always there. And is always there. God was and is patient. God's grace was and will continue to always be enough. Sorry? God is trustworthy. These are all things that the witnesses of the cloud of faith and witness that we read about Hebrews 11. We are one another's cloud of witnesses, friends. And what we have experienced of God is an encouragement to one another that these things of God are true. So I invite you to stand to receive God's parting blessing this morning. As you contend for the faith that God has given to you, The one who testifies to all of these things says, truly, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all of his saints now and forever. Amen. If you would like to continue to spend time in prayer this morning, there will be people here at the front who will pray with you. Otherwise, we hope that you'll enjoy us, uh, enjoy us, enjoy with us a cup of coffee after the service. And I promise to you next week will be uh, an example of contending for the faith successfully because we've had a couple of less successful stories.